welcome to episode 39 of the Uncapped Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Sands. This week we have Garth Patterson from Mount St. Mary's University. Uh, he's a professor of chemistry in the studio. And if you remember a few episodes back, maybe a month or so, we had Justin Tarnow in to talk about Flying Dog University. And what brought, um, he talked about Garth's class at that time. I don't think... He mentioned you by name at that. And actually, no, I think he did. He did. Yeah. <clears throat> and, um, matters, but. yeah, but so that's really how the first time I learned about, uh, this really cool program at Mount St. Mary's. Um, and then you guys had a press release. I was like, yeah. oh, I gotta have Garth on this. Would, it would be really interesting. I've a lot of people, I think, enjoy like knowing the science behind what's happening in the bottle they get. So thank you for taking some time to come on in. Yeah. And thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So that's, I, I, let's just start off like every other episode. How, how did you get into, I assume you brew? I do. <laughs> uh, well, I like beer. That, that's pretty high on the list. Uh, that helps a lot. That helps. Uh, and I am a chemist. Uh, and, and of course, uh, beer, there's the sort of cliches out there. Beer is chemistry in a glass, that sort of thing. But it really is. Um, and so I teach uh, uh, general chemistry, analytical chemistry, instrumental analysis, a variety of things, um, and they're, they're rigorous courses. Um, and so uh, the students that take those classes are uh, very dedicated to the field. And, and uh, it, it's often the case, though, that they get bogged down in that that weight of the level of class that they're in. And so I thought to myself that there needs to be some class that's available to them that shows them the fun side of it without the weight or without the perceived weight of the, the rigor in that class. Now, to be clear, the class is very difficult. <laughs> it's not an easy class, but I, I, I designed it in a way that the students, uh, it's, I don't want to say reward, but that, that it shows them the application of the work that they've done. So it is the whole class around brewing? Like yes. This, so it's a, it's pretty close. Like what you do with Flying Dog is a stripped down version of the class that's offered at Mount St. Mary's. That's right. We do. Uh, it's about forty hours of, of lecture uh, and about the equal amount of, in laboratory time. And so the lecture we break down and I have it uh, set for basic ingredients. So I'll do, for example, a week on water or two weeks on water. And so we can really delve into the details of water, the significance of the, and the impact of that. But in the context of analytical chemistry, that's, uh, you know, the water is significant for a lot of the work that we would do uh, that's not related to, 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 to brewing. And then we have a week on hops and we have a week on perception and that sort of thing um, and then the labs will go along with that we do uh, about every third lab we brew um, and then we take the beer uh, that we create or the wort that we create and the beer that we create and then uh, go back to the lab and analyze it i think uh, it would have been a lot cooler when i was in college if my lab work involved working on a one yeah. barrel brew house yeah <laughs> yeah i have one i have one lab in particular that i do um that's designed for basic water quality analysis in in my analytical chemistry class and the students do well at it um but the, it's almost the identical lab uh, that we do in the brewing uh class it's a different context but the actual hands-on work is is almost identical and the the outcome the results of the beer class uh, are significantly better than the results of the the other class because of the context of beer they understand i i understand it better i i'm more diligent perhaps if i understand why i'm doing something and it's pretty obvious when you're trying to make better beer the why and so we get good outcomes then when we, when we teach it teach that 
that same material in the context of beer, we get much better outcomes, and of course, more engaged students. And was it so? And was beer. this this whole program your? Did you create this? Was it your idea? Yeah, it, and it was, and it came out of well, it was actually over a glass of wine, uh, <laughs> as I enjoy wine too. But in uh, uh, discussion, my wife is a professor at the Mount, and she actually teaches the history of brewing there, okay. uh, which is which is entertaining. Um, we were discussing about you know ways that we can keep uh, make sure that everybody gets engaged across the range of subjects that they're interested in, uh, and then also make sure that we're still rigorous in a way that's appropriate for the institution. I said, well, I'd like to do something that is that sort of cap stone uh, project and I and I really with wine in my hands well why not wine I said well there's uh, students like wine maybe in a box or something else but I said you know what that they really want is beer and I said I love beer too and so it was really an over a glass sort of conversation I said I really need to figure out a way that I can make this happen I like to homebrew and I said well uh, you know if I have the and I had that's my equipment that we that we use there and I said I've got this equipment that's appropriate uh, for the scale that we're at, I said, let's let's see if the institution would would agree to it. You know, there's some. I think there would be an obvious concern about yeah. liability or perception or whatever that might be. But then we also went and did the uh, the research and saying, you know, the stu- people that homebrew generally don't drink quantity wise as much, and and people that are more engaged with what they're consuming are less likely to abuse it as well. And and we've that's been borne out as well as at least self-reported the students that are part of the club have fewer disciplinary events and, and uh, generally consume less beer. So once we got that sort of threshold and the institution agreed that that was, that was appropriate, then we, you know, hit the ground running. Was it a hard sell or no. did you go to them with, with, with all that information first? So you had a strong enough case that they were on board with it. Yeah, it really wasn't a hard sell. I anticipated, uh, you know, a moderately hard sell. Yeah. At least I think they're the, the, the university's open to, novel ways of, of uh, incorporating content. And so I didn't think it would be impossible, but I thought, you know, that there's there's the obvious bringing beer to students on campus yeah. uh, sort of thing. Um, and so I did go in with with that information, but, but there really wasn't a great pushback. Um, now, students aren't allowed to drink beer whatsoever in the classroom. Uh, and so there's no, they, they go through a whole semester of making beer without being able to drink it. Uh, but then we do an event, uh, later beer tasting event, then we open that up to the community. So they do, if they're over 21, have the opportunity to, to try their beer. Okay. So how, how many different throughout the class batches would you make, or is it kind of, do you work around where you build up to brewing a whole thing and it's not until the end where there's that, no, we we brew right off the bat. Okay, um, and so we'll do three or four brews. Uh, if I can backtrack a second, there, we have two different uh, uh, concurrent things. We have a class, um, and then that that counts as a science credit or four science credits. And then there's also a club, and the brew club is on a different schedule. Okay, so for the class, we'll start right off the bat and just jump in. Um, I think you know the majority of students have have not had the opportunity to. To, to brew before, so I want to get that enthusiasm right off the bat. Uh, and then we'll analyze that uh, and then create another brew about th- uh, three weeks, four weeks later. The club, on the other hand, is whenever we can get a quorum together, we brew. Oh, cool. um, and, and Are they allowed to try the beer more often because it's not within a classroom setting, or is it the same 
the same type of rules. Nope. No, for, for it's the 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 university is is not a dry campus. The campus is not a dry campus, and so the students are allowed to have a limited quantity of of beer or, or wine or spirits in their in their rooms, and there's a defined a, a, a limit. And so we'll bottle um, and ensure that the students don't take more than that predefined limit. Okay. And so whenever we, of course, nobody likes to bottle. Yeah, whenever we bottle. awful. Right. <laughs> uh, so we keg first, and if we have events, we'll do, uh, which is what I prefer, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll leave in kegs. But otherwise, we'll bottle, and then the students are allowed up to that, that, that amount. I, I'm not sure what the number is, but it's not, it's not a big number. But it's, an, it's, a, it's a level that allows the student to choose uh, how much they would consume. And so they get it. They buy the ingredients. They get the beer at the end, and uh, we try uh, last year was probably 10 different brews, 10 or 15 different brews. And then there's a couple that, that we redo, you know, there's the, the, the ones the winners. That, yeah. Yeah. Um, are, are you developing your own recipes within the club and, or are you doing like clone recipes? We've done clones. Uh, we've also started with clones and modified them. Um, so I, I, as a faculty member at the university, I have to do research. I, I should say I get to do research, um, but I like beer, so I do research on beer. Uh, and one of the things that we're trying to study is um, you know, the chemical nature of aroma as uh, associated with beer. So we, we have hops, we're growing hops, and then we analyze the hops. We analyze the vapor Above the hops, we analyze the plant itself. And so when we analyze that vapor, we want to look and say, okay, you know, citra, we assume, has a higher limonene content. That's where that citrus flavor comes from or citrus aroma comes from. And I want to prove it analytically. Um, and so we're using uh, the, the uh, analytical lab as a means to, to look at different hops and hop flavors and hop aromas. And then we'll go and try to reproduce, mix different hops to get a certain aroma um, and so we might start with a clone. It's up to the students. The students come with recipes. We might start with a clone, but then say what we're trying to accentuate, we'll, we'll try to bring more of that flavor profile out or reduce the flavor profile, whatever it might be. So it's up to the students. They vote. Um, they, they come in with, uh, we generally uh, have an event. We'll, we'll say, okay, this time of year, you know, preparing for fall, we might have, you know, pumpkin spice or whatever it might be. Uh, and, and don't then, do that. Uh, yeah. we've never <laughs> done, we've never done a pumpkin spice, but you know, this time of the year is when you yeah. probably start thinking about those more, but, um, you know, we'll say, all right, we'll, we'll want maybe a maltier beer right now, or, you know, for whatever reason we say, you know, stouts are in winter and light beers in summer. And so we'll, we'll have four different groups and then the students will, will come and say, all right, we want to brew this. And then we build that recipe. Um, it might be starting with something, but we, we generally just don't do a clone. So when you say you're analyzing the, the hops for the flavor characteristics and aroma, so are you looking at like at the molecular level mm. and comparing it to the molecular level of what smells that way? Is yeah. that, that's really cool. That's, ex that's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's <clears throat> the research concept, uh, I'm sorry to give a long answer to a short question, but uh, I, w I was interested in atmospheric science. And so there was a, a group uh, when I was in graduate school that was interested in, in being able to quantify where all of the sources of pollution. Um, and, of course, that's a very broad sort of statement, but there, there are, there's a, a whole area of research that focuses on naturally occurring hydrocarbons that, that come in the air. And, and it struck me because the, the person that, that, that taught the class said, well, you've smelled pine trees, right? That's a chemical. 
said it, it, that's a hydrocarbon that's coming off. And if you know, if you can smell something, there's a chemical there. And if you know where all of those hydrocarbons are coming from, you can better uh, work towards, uh, you know, doing something against that pollution. But, but that stuck with me that said, well, you smell a tree. You know, so there's a chemical that comes off of that, and it's alpha-pining. And that, that, that uh, chemical, the same chemical that's in a pine tree that gives that pine aroma, is in hops as well. So when you say this smells kind of piney, because at the molecular is, level, it, is it just similar or it's exactly the it same? It is the same chemical. You know, Science pl- is amazing. Yeah. I, well, I, <laughs> I love it because you can answer questions, yeah. right? And, and you say, well, why does this beer smell piney? Well, because it's got pine in it. It's got alpha pining, the terpene that, that is associated with that, with that smell. And so, so does that mean like, so the hops that give off citrusy characteristics, like where you're tasting grapefruit. And yep. so at a molecular level, they, they have the same chemicals yep. as... Limonene is, is the chemical that's most attributed towards citrus fruit. And so that, that limonene, if you, if you go touch the edge of, a, a, of an orange and analyze that chemically, you'll get the exact same chemical limonene. There, there are not to go too far in depth, but there are different. No, feel free. Uh, okay, gonna, great. I, so, I am at least interested. Great. And basically, this is all about how I feel. So we'll, <laughs> hey, we'll roll with that. That sounds good. We have two hands, right? We're left hand and right hand, and and uh, you know, we can see the difference between those two hands. Um, can, they're they're not identical. They're mirror images of each other. Chemicals, uh, based on their configuration, can take an image that that is what we'll call left-handed, and then there, there could be a modification that makes it right-handed. Now, when you first glance at those chemicals, you, you can't really see much of a difference. But if we define a way to define left, to, to, to differentiate left and right, we can see that there is an, a left-handed limonene and a right-handed limonene. And so how our body perceives that left-handed limonene and that right-handed limonene, can, we can get different flavors from that. But limonene between those two is limonene, whether that comes from an orange or a citra hop or some other area. They're, they're the same chemical. So there's, there's two of them. There are different configurations, mirror images, but generally they're, they're the exact same chemical. So actually, uh, you are the absolute perfect person to Uh-oh. get an answer to something that I, I, w- I was told this years ago. And every time I repeat it, I always preface it with, I've only heard it from one person. I have no idea if it's true, but it's interesting. So I was told that the molecular structure in hops is similar to um, the musk of a skunk, except that it has a tail and that UV light severs that. And that's what causes beer to um, taste skunky. Like that's what get like cause that molecular transformation is what causes like struck light struck beer to become skunked. Is there any truth to that, or was it just made yes. up to sound interesting? Yeah, so m- most of what we would affiliate with a skunk smell would be a, a, a chemical that has a sulfur as a particular atom in that, and, and we would define that as a thiol. Uh, and so there are sulfur-containing compounds within in the beer that, that are of a particular structure that we wouldn't attribute to that skunk smell. And when, when they are light-struck, exactly what happens, it breaks a chemical bond, and you go to a smaller... Uh, smaller chemical that then we perceive is that skunky sort of smell, and that's where the the, the term comes from. We've actually done it. I had a student that was interested in that skunky smell, uh, smell and uh, he he was able to prove it chemically. So we found in the literature, I forget the name of the chemical now, but we found in the literature what that that primary chemical is, and then we light, intentionally added light and and monitored how fast that light striking 
came up and it turned out to be almost instantaneous oh really yeah so like uh, it departs second... per billion level right but yeah yeah i mean it was almost instantaneous we, we cracked the cr- cracked the beer uh, analyzed it, saw very low levels uh, below the threshold that we would be able to attribute to that it actually was there. And then within a half an hour, there was a, a, a noticeable amount. Uh, and then, uh, you know, any time after that, it was it, it skyrocketed. Well, now that I know it's true, I'll yeah. say it. So the, I've taken a lot of brewery tours, and the only place I've ever heard that explained was at Flying Dog. Yeah. And it was Jim Caruso that was right. giving the tour that said that. So now I'll attribute it to him. Now yeah. I know it's true. <laughs> well, the, the answer is a lot longer than that. Yeah, it's a lot more it, nuanced. But yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And and it, I, I'm glad it is because I always found that as one of like the more interesting, obscure facts that I knew about yeah. beer. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it, it, it. What's also interesting is that the the market has sort of maybe before they realized it has recognized that 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 occurs and so we have brown bottles for example and and i don't want to name names but if we think of a clear bottled beer beer that we might say has a skunky flavor, well, i didn't say that <laughs> uh, but it, or maybe you would add some fruit to it or something like that to cover that smell it is absolutely something that we can quantify and measure completely off topic but um are you familiar with icy light at all icy light out of yeah. pittsburgh yeah I grew up north of Pittsburgh, so that was my. Uh, oh, I grew under, up just south of Pittsburgh. Okay. They have a mango version of it now. Do they really? Yeah. I was in a, a beer drinkers club on uh, Facebook. I someone posted a picture of icy light with mango, and I just couldn't help but think, why? Uh, <laughs> it's it, that's a big enough question that I'd probably actually try it. <laughs> that 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 was my second thought. Is like yeah. I I. I for how awful that beer is, I yeah. do need to try it. But it it too is in a clear bottle. So maybe the mango will, that's what, that's what made pop into my mind. Yeah. So that, and there was a, I want to also talk something that like Dorn Brewery tours, they talk a lot about is water Mm -hmm. and how that is the basis of good beer. So I'd, I'd love to hear as dumbed down so that I can understand version of why that is. Yeah. Well, I, I do have tens of hours of lectures on water uh, to the point of uh, driving everybody insane. But, you know, water by, by volume and by mass is the, is the largest portion of beer. You know, 95% is, is water. Um, and, and it's often uh, the, the thing that people think the, the, the littlest about is the, the quality water. Whatever comes out of the tap, we're good to go or maybe run it through a Brita filter. But there's a lot of other things that are in there that, you know, at it, it, it perfectly safe levels to consume, but that can impact the, the quality of, of beer. Uh, pH is the first one that comes to mind, the, the acidity or basicity of the, of the water. And especially if you're in a, in a, on a well or in a, in a not a controlled uh, source of water, um, you know, that pH can not only make beer that tastes bad, but it can completely deactivate the enzymes that allow you to get the sugar that allows you to get the alcohol. And so if you're not uh, cognizant of that, you can go from what is arguably not a very difficult thing to do to make beer is you can do it accidentally uh, to, to, to a point where you can't make it at all. I will say to make good beer is a whole other story, but to make beer, you can do it accidentally. The water is the thing that people forget about. So would you say the pH level of the beer, is that the number one issue concerning the beer? Because it could affect so 
many aspects of it or is it just way more complicated yeah well you know it's probably the most accessible i think most people have heard of the term ph uh, in the context of acidity um but but frankly for for city dwellers that that have uh, city city water chlorine is probably the biggest the act the, the, the biggest thing that you can fight against and chloramines uh, that are part of the the water treatment uh, system and i've brewed with chlorinated water and you can tell i mean you can absolutely tell and not just the chlorine flavor it changes what's going on in the in the beer and so, uh, you know, recognizing the water you have and what you can do to that water to make better beer is, is, is important, and it's often the thing that people forget. Because that's why uh, going up to Gambrel to the natural spring there, so popular amongst uh, home brewers yeah. to fill up buckets before brewing. Yeah, we've not, I've not tested that water specifically, but we, I had a student that was very much interested in water, and so he got water from a variety of places in the area, and we tested it uh, for, for chlorine, but of course well water would be exceptionally low in chlorine or spring water. Uh, but then uh, uh, calcium, magnesium, uh, sulfate, so those are the ones that, that come forward. And we saw this area has, uh, I don't know if you'd be surprised or not, but this area has a pretty high calcium and magnesium load, at, at least the areas that, that we tested. So I wouldn't be surprised that that calcium and magnesium uh, for people that might brew stouts, for example, uh, that want a higher calcium level, that might be perfect to, to get that specific water. But if you're brewing something like a Pilsner, maybe that wouldn't be the right water because the, the, the typical flavor profile for a Pilsner would have a very low calcium and magnesium uh, sulfate uh, threshold, and it might not make as good of uh, a Pilsner as it would a stout. So why is that? Is it just the flavors that those minerals impart on on it that make a difference, or is it at a chemical le- level that the difference? Yes, yes, and more. Um, so the 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 you know the direct flavor profile you wouldn't necessarily it wouldn't taste like salt water. Calcium uh, as an ion is really salt water. Magnesium as an ion is really salt water, which is how it's in the water. But we wouldn't perceive that as salt water. What we would perceive is more than anything for calcium, magnesium, uh, at least on my palate, is is the mouth feel. You think about stouts, of course, the, a lot of stouts are nitrogenated, and so they have a different mouth feel. But that sort of silkiness, creaminess that comes with it um, versus the crisp brightness of a pilsner that has that pop, um, I, I, I would attribute a, at least a portion of that to the, the water. So how amazing is your homebrew? Well, uh, we, can, <laughs> we can certainly do better. Uh, you know, I think I've, I've heard this, that, that you know, brewers, uh, they can't taste their own faults. But it's also true that brewers uh, can be their own harshest critics. Um, yeah. and, and we as a group have made good beer, but I think we can make a lot better beer, too. And, and so that's uh, you know, maybe that's the scientist side of me where, I, where I, I would rather try something new. I'd rather do something that's not been done before just to see what the outcome is. And, and a new beer recipe is exactly that. Let's just see where it ends up and, and go from there. Of course, we start with the things we know. You know, we've got to have the right amount of base grain. We've got to have the right amount of uh, coloring and so on. But uh, I, I love to make mistakes. So you had um, you had talked about um, studying hops. Is Mount St. Mary's working on uh, hop cultivation in Maryland also, like studying it from that aspect or from not from the agricultural standpoint of it? Yeah, so um, I, I saw recently a post about uh, flying dog teaming with University of Maryland. Yeah, that's sp- what I mean, like. A, does, so is Mount St. Mary's doing something like that or is it? 
at a different level? Uh, I would like to. Um, what I do specifically in research is a different uh, level. Okay. So we're not interested in breeding hops. I'm interested in being able to quantify the quality of a hop. So when we buy, I keep saying Citra because it's such a, a, a very uh, popular, right. well-known one. But as you might imagine, if, if there's a, a really rainy season or a really dry season or, or, you know, whatever environmental impact or there's not enough nutrient in the ground or too much nutrient in the ground, that would have to affect the, the hop. Um, and so w- by quantifying, uh, and Citra again, is that, that limonene that comes out, by quantifying the individual terpenes, that's the classification of aromatic compounds, by quantifying all of those, we can say, you know what, this year maybe we want to add 5% more Citra or knock it down or add something else that also has that that limonene flavor profile and i want to do it in a way that i mean the the natural outcome of that is better beer but it's also true that it's better uh reproducibility and ultimately uh better cost and so i'm not interested in i'm not a biologist i don't want to create new hops yeah. i'm a chemist i want to analyze and and uh, uh, the chemicals that come off of that that that, that we want in the beer so is is that's not being done now at all? Like when when breweries are purchasing their hops and like they don't get any of that type of information? Yeah, or? they can. Okay. Um, so the majority of, of that kind of work is done by human perception. So somebody that w- that's really good at smelling things and articulating those smells, we go in and say, all right, this is the right blend. Um, and then the, the, most of the, the work that's done now to quantify those terpenes requires a, a significant level of effort in collecting the sample, modifying it in a, in a way that it can be put in the instrumentation that's used to quantify it. We've got a, a, a process that allows us to collect the vapor where we don't have to touch the flower at all. And so the novelty of what we do is being able to sniff it without destroying the flower. Uh, and then analyzing it in a couple minutes rather than, you know, to be dramatic, a couple hours to a couple days worth of work that goes into it. So in theory, like a brewery could come to you with hops they've purchased, you would be able to analyze it and then tell them how they would need to adjust a recipe to reproduce that's what we're working towards. I don't want to say okay, we're doing gotcha. that, right? But um, we've, we've gotten, you know, I don't know what the number is, so a couple dozen different hops, and we've been able to quantify, you know, the, the, the top 20 to 30 of this terpene class, the, 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 what we would attribute to aroma, um, and differentiate between those hops. And so we can look at a, a beer profile and say, all right, it would have this level of pinene, myrosine, carophylline, whatever it might be, and this profile is acceptable. But we could do the exact same thing with a different group of hops to get that uh, profile, but maybe have a different uh, alpha acid or iso-alpha acid content. And so change the bittering without changing uh, the aroma. Are you also comparing the different ways that hops are used? Like what whole flour, dried, uh, pelletized, extract, or, or are you mainly just studying the, like, from the crop? Yeah, I, I would like to do that. Um, that I think we would work towards that. I'm I'm more interested in in the crop. It's more accessible for me to get samples to start with. You know, we we have hops planted, and I would like to to, to plant a lot more there. You know, the one nice thing about the mount is we've got a lot of land, uh, right? And so the possibility uh, it would be nice if we could we could explore some of those things. But from the standpoint of you know, I, I have students that need to do experiments in a very consistent way so that they get the experiences that they need before they 
graduate and go into the work, yeah. workforce. Purchasing hops is it's just a, the more consistent way of doing that. Um, but then, you know, we don't have control over that. And so we're trying to track year on year. We're trying to track, um, you know, what the manufacturer or the packager of the hops uh, quantifies, typically alpha acids, beta acids, and see if we can find any correlations uh, with that. But we're not to the point yet where we can claim, uh, you know, this is the better way to do it. I think we could uh, justify uh, a reasonable answer for why one might be better than the other, but we don't, we haven't quantified that yet. Uh, do, do producers, um, do they provide any of that other information or are they just providing alpha acid levels alpha and beta is uh, predominantly i would imagine you know the, the the scale in which i can interact with a typical hop producer they wouldn't i've not been given that information um, i i would imagine the larger breweries uh if they were interested could get those uh, analyses but but it's but, not like printed on the packaging or anything alpha uh, alpha and beta acids is a predominant um, I, I don't want to go too far down this path, but um, I, we do a lot of research on these terpenes. And so I, I use Google like everybody else uses Google's, and, and I, I search all these terpenes. The marijuana industry is absolutely quantifying, and they're the same terpenes. They're the, the, the same alpha-pinene, the same myrosine, so on. And so we've learned a lot about how we can analyze it accidentally by doing uh, uh, Google research on, on terpenes and in marijuana. So I think that industry, um, the, the level of effort that goes into that industry in quantifying those terpenes, I think there's a natural progression for that to come out into, into the beer. And so we, we want the human, you know, the, that, that taster or the, that, that person that can, can articulate the aroma, but we also want to quantify it too. And I think we're trending as an industry in that direction, but I don't think it's readily available yet to the average brewer. Gotcha. So let's talk a little bit like the, the class that you taught. <clears throat> what all did you cover in the, was it uh, beer making 401? Was that the, the Flying Dog University class? It was something, something 401. Like, yeah, a beer 401, uh, Science of Brewing or, yeah. or something, something like that. What, what all did you cover while teaching that class? Yeah, uh, we scratched the surface uh, on on uh, process, uh, ingredients, and outcomes. And, and so uh, everyone that takes the 401 uh, is supposed to have taken 101, 201, and 301. And so they have a general understanding of the process of creating the beer. And so we go into a little bit more detail on that. And then we break out the ingredients. I spend a little bit of time on water and, and why the physical shape of water is important. You know, why the, the molecule, the, the, the structure of the molecule is important. Um, but we don't go into a lot more detail than that because we've got to move on. We, we why do, is it important? Uh, because the, the, the water is a solvent, which means things can dissolve into it, um, if it had a different chemical structure, wouldn't be a good solvent. So if we want to dissolve that calcium and magnesium to get a good stout into, into our water, if it were of a different uh, physical structure, it wouldn't allow the calcium to stay in solution. It wouldn't allow the magnesium to stay in solution. And frankly, it would boil at a much lower temperature and it wouldn't be a liquid. Okay. Uh, so, you know, we can start at that level. I, I don't generally in that class, in the in the class at, that I do at the university where we have hours to talk about water, I start with an electron. 
you know, here's an electron. You need so many electrons to make one, uh, so many electrons to make oxygen, and then that makes a molecule. And that shape of the molecule is specifically this shape because of these reasons. Uh, but we don't have time for that yeah. in the in the uh, science of brewing class at, at at Flying Dog. So we jump to hops. So I think a lot of people um, are interested in the process of how grains are converted to sugars and alcohol. So I spend a lot of time on that. And then the 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 dominant aroma comes from typically hops. And so we spent a lot of time on that as well. And then, you know, we drink beer, which is fantastic because Flying Dog has a lot of really good beers. Do you cover yeast at all or is that we do. It's more biology or, or is it still heavily in your realm? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a biologist. Um, I do cover it in a, in a level that I think uh, is a good bit deeper than a typical home brewer would, would be accustomed to, um, but it's not my area of expertise. Um, so we cover it. We talk about yeast, bacteria, uh, you know, the, the funkier beers, um, but not at a level that a biochemist would, would be satisfied. Uh, I can't remember. I either read or a brewer recently said to me that they think yeast is going to become the number one uh, co- component for differentiation amongst the market as because uh, it was someone I was talking to about if they're worried uh, after the news of Imbe- AB and Bev buying up all of the South African hop or where, whatever crop that I can't remember now that they bought up like yeah. is that causing fear within the industry that they may start doing that further. And they said that there's a little bit and they feel like that having your own yeast strains and uh, is, will really become the differentiating factor in the future. Uh, I think it was in the past. Uh, You know, when we think of beers that we would attribute to an area that has a lot to do because yeast, it, it wasn't a known thing, right? They knew that they had to have some sort of starter, in quotes, to be able to get beer so that there was something that was happening from in that beer, but they didn't know what it was. And so beer that came out of Czech Republic, you know, Pilsners, um, that yeast that was there allowed them to make that beer that was good. But if they tried to make a beer from some other region with their yeast, it would not didn't have— turn out the same. Exactly right. Well, I know when I, I toured the Guinness Brewery, like that was a big focus of how protective Guinness is of their yeah. yeast. Like they have samples of it all over the world to protect it. And yeah. It's in safes and yeah, for them it's reproducibility, and yeah. so they need to have it. From from a craft brewery standpoint, I agree that that in the last decade was hops. I think the next decade, as we go into bacterial fermentation, beyond that will be yeast and bacteria, um, because the the number of compounds we can get, or the number of flavors that we can get out of that yeast or bacteria, is almost infinite, right? So if we if we want to create uh, a different flavor profile, we can in yeast, we can in plant material, we can in yeast material, and why not explore the yeast? There's so much more that can be done in that. I I, I really look forward to what comes out of the yeast and, and bacteria research. What level course is um, your course at Mount St. Mary's? It's a 300 level course. Um, so there are science prerequisites. They have to take a general chemistry class, have a, a basic understanding of, of, of what's going on in chemical reactions. Um, and, the, and then it's they don't have to be 21 to take the class because we don't consume beer yeah. in it. But typically it would be the students that are 21 and over that have maybe explored beer a little bit more. Uh, and so it's almost all uh, seniors. Okay. Have they put any thought into just having a course that 
like someone like me could come and take at the university that just a standalone like a little bit more in depth than what the flying dog university one was but obviously not quite as in depth as taking your 301 course yeah well that's it's 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 great what flying dog i mean they've been very generous in in helping us um and and really that's what i'm 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 using that for a long class as and i think there's an opportunity to either expand it or have multiple classes at flying dog if they're willing to do it um, or use that as the, the model that we can expand into uh, a more formalized course. Uh, of course, accredited institutions are different than not, and, and so there are thresholds that we would have to reach if we wanted to make it an accredited class for the, for the population. And so we're working that, that uh, with, with Flying Dog. Justin, I think, has uh, mentioned that, that they might be doing a water class there yeah, as well. It. And so I think we've chit-chatted about it yet. I don't think we've, uh, you know, come to, to the specific dates, but that class is one we're going we're gonna to try as well uh, at Flying Dog. And as we build that information up, we'll, we'll find a better way to package it, uh, make it more accessible. Uh, well, it's pretty accessible at Flying Dog, yeah. but it, to a different audience, per, perhaps. Was it... Um was the 401 was that the first that was the first time the 401 was offered or it had to had it's there a been other time it's fourth a fourth time, okay. time we've done it yeah it's well received it yeah. sounds like it'd be well super i mean it's interesting beer. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh it's beer and and uh you, you know that's generally speaking the people that take that class are passionate about beer and so i think i you know we could go into as much depth as they as i could and they would still want more uh, so it makes that fun when when the people that are there trying to learn are passionate about doing it. it's great fun uh, to do it and so every time we do it i add a little bit more take out some of the stuff that maybe is uh, not as important um, but I, I i love it you know that you get to talk about beer and and uh, see people have different light switches come on and, and say oh, i'm gonna try that what what's your favorite style of beer uh, what it uh, depends on the day. Okay. Uh, um, you know, this time of year, I, I like a, 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 a crisper beer. Um, I really like, I, I was against it a couple years ago. I really like the trend of fruited beers. Um, Flying Dog, uh, again, the Bloodline beer, really, um, I, I probably wouldn't have tried it several years ago, but now it's one of my one of my favorite beers. Um, and so I, 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 I'm intrigued to see what comes out of that. But in, in the middle of winter, I probably won't drink a blood orange ipa i probably just won't drink it um and not because i don't like it it's just you know the palate changes what are your top we'll say three favorite maryland beers in no particular order and you're obviously not leaving anyone out so no one can be yeah. offended yeah <laughs> well and that's another one that changes uh, yeah. based on the mood you know uh, i keep saying flying dog but they really have been very generous and very kind and they make really good beer um so to pick one i, I don't know uh, uh probably blood orange right now um i, I know uh, greg at uh um, smokehouse in uh brunswick yeah yep um and he's uh, i've i've got to taste a lot of his beers as well and I, I really enjoy uh what he's doing i don't like everything he does um but he makes good beer um uh and then hit and miss uh i was at uh, old mother uh, not too long ago and had uh, uh what i thought was a fantastic uh, uh, sour beer. Um, and so, uh, those the are ras- the three, the, the raspberry, raspberry one. You're yeah. Talking. yeah. They, they have it back on tap right now. Stage nice. fright. 
nice. I'll have to go back and get some more. But that that particular beer was one that that really opened my eye. I was not necessarily a big sour fan. I was I thought they were interesting, but that particular beer opened my eyes to sours more. Uh, it was a chat with uh, I, I, I'm sorry I forget the fellow's name, but one of the one of the guys that brews there said, you know, you really just need to try this one. And I said, all right, and and that really that opened my eyes a lot. So I appreciated that conversation. Yeah, that that's a really good beer. There are some people who argue that that's not true sour because it's not, but and I I will call it one. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, I think there's room to 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 recognize the traditional processes and yeah. say it is what it is. But the the flip side is if it tastes good. And, you know, why not? That's all it really matters. Right. If people are buying it and they're enjoying it, that's the yeah. the number one thing I think it matters. Yeah, I went to a talk, uh, uh, the guy from Dogfish Head. Uh, Sam. Sam Caligione. Yeah, and and uh, he used some very colorful language, but he, he said, you know, what we do and why we're popular is we threw everything out. Again, he used different words than yeah. that, but he threw he, we throw it out and said, if, if we can make something that tastes good that people wants uh, that people want then why wouldn't we do that and 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 the beer industry you know has been dominated by the 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 light lager beer for so long um that that we've forgotten the fact that it's you know we can explore with it we can do a whole well range of it cook with it uh, make it a dessert make it a make it the typical after you mow the lawn, have a light beer. Yeah. At the end of the day, have a have a nice dark beer. Graham, Graham and I were um, touring. Uh, so I'm actually, I'm going to bring up Graham and not criticize him or make a disparaging remark for once. We, we were touring Dogfish Head, and like he stopped what he like he was at filming a TV show and stopped and acknowledged us and asking asked us if we were having a good time. And what he talked to us probably about like 15 minutes or so after. We were nice. done with our tour. It was he, he was a really great guy. And then you offended the conversation. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> he, he the the show they were filming. He was it was the Discovery Channel show, uh, like it was like Brewmasters or I, th- I think was the name of yeah. it. It was a short, uh, like a five series, and then there was a six series that was never released. And I think that's the episode that was never released. Oh, right. And he was giving a tour to a Delaware senator or representative, one of the two. And there's no reason why I would know who it right. actually it was a representative. Yeah. Um, and what, there's no reason why I would know what Delaware's congressman looks like. I mean, I barely know what Maryland's right. look like. Right. And so after we were talking to him, I thought that that guy was the host of the show. <laughs> and I asked him what show he was with. And he got all offended and condescendingly said he was a, the congressman from Delaware. Well, that might be a show. And I wanted to say, I don't care. But <laughs> <laughs> So then I turned to the other people, the camera people, and asked them what show they were yeah. with. Um, but it, it, along the same lines, uh, I, I took a tour at Trogues back when they were in their tiny little brewery. Mm-hmm. And um, it was the one owner, Chris, was saying that like, they're the same way, that they don't do, and maybe they do now, but back then he would, he would always say that they don't do market research. They don't ask for feedback. They make the beer that they love and they just really hope that everyone else else does too. No, I see there's value both, both ways. I mean, as a brewer, I wouldn't sell a beer that I didn't like. Yeah. Right. Uh, But the flip side is, uh, you know, and, and I've learned that a lot from the students too. If they want it and we can make a good version of it, yeah, we'll make it. So I, I think there's room for for both sort of perspectives. A smaller brewery has to make beer that, that that they love, but they have to 
pay the bills. And so they've got to sell the beer that people want as well. So. Now, do you have students taking your class that they just need a science credit and they could care less about beer and they, they just need that chemistry class? Or is it pretty much made had, up of all people who are fans of beer? I've had one or two um, that, that weren't really beer fans that, that needed a science credit. Um, but there's a prerequisite of uh, chemistry to take that class and so everybody has to have a little bit of science in them to, to get there but there's been one or two uh there was one in particular i don't think we convinced her to like beer which <laughs> she is still do well fine. yeah well, she's a yeah. absolutely fantastic student uh, so that's what i was what, was wondering I, it was a much smaller sampling than i thought but i was just wondering yeah. if like there was a difference between uh students who are really into the subject matter yeah. as opposed to just chemistry majors yeah i mean they're not all chemistry majors but they have chemistry uh, class background so i can't really i can't differentiate it but but generally if my course evaluations mean anything which they probably don't uh, (laughs) it's a it's a pretty pretty popular class but there's uh, two students this year um that that graduated after taking of course the whole curriculum but my class in the in the spring um both got brewing jobs that's that's cool. I was that was going to be one of my questions. Have you had anyone go on to then work at a brewery for that? Yep, one uh, that's a, a West Coast brewery that's opening an East Coast. Uh, um, uh, they just got by bought by Constellation. I forget it. Uh, uh, Ballast Point. Ballast Point. Yep, they're moving to Virginia, I think. Yeah. Um, so he's going to be working on Virginia their, Beach, I think. Yeah. Uh, so he's going to be working on their pilot system, which, turn, which turns out to be the same system we have. Oh, really cool. Which is nice. Um, and then another that's a head brewer now uh, at uh, uh, Springfield Manor, which is opening, uh, I think their first beer will be coming out in about three weeks. Um, and so that's Northern Frederick County. Um, they have, they already have a wine. Yeah, they have the trifecta now. They do. They're the only one I know of. Uh, you know, there are others that, that do, but they're separate corporate entities for whatever reason. Uh, They're the only one that I know of that has all three, Um, certainly in this area. Well, I wonder, I wonder if, um, Ligonor Wine, if it would fall under that category. Because when, when we had Vic from Red Shedman on, they said that they were, seriously considering a distillery also so they but i I mean i would assume that's still i mean it's all the same family so they they were beat by spring hill manor though yeah well good for them i you know if they want to do i think it's great i i think i like the culture that this county is is starting now to 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 help foster there's a lot more breweries uh this year than there were five years ago there's a lot more distilleries, um, yeah. and and I think it's a natural, well, from a, a paperwork standpoint for our company, the tax documentation for for people that brew or distill, uh, once you do one, it's no added burden uh, f- to to do the other. So I think we'll see probably more of them. And um, Jim Caruso has hinted very strongly to there being a Flying Dog distillery at some point because their non compete with Stranahan whiskey is up so that um when he was on his pod on my podcast he briefly mentioned that and then the other day he reaffirmed it even more strongly than he did on the podcast so it does that seems to be a maryland trend of expanding into uh, i guess diversification and alcohol creation well there i mean there there's so much that's the same right i mean to to make whiskey or any distilled spirit you, you pretty much start you don't have to be pretty much start with yeah. brewing. So you brew it and then distill it. So it makes sense. It's a natural progression to, to have them linked. I think the only reason we wouldn't are the, the complication, legal complications. 
Well, I want to thank you so much for coming in and sharing your wealth of uh, knowledge on it. I thought it was extremely interesting. Well, thanks. The time flew by pretty quick. Yeah, it definitely did. Um, I'd, I'd love to. I mean, you sh- should have brought your wife in. I didn't know she <laughs> taught. She taught a course too. That'd be. Yeah, she yeah. actually taught that course in Austria. Oh wow! Said so I, I. I thought I was a pretty popular professor because I teach beer, but I, yeah. I, I think she wins that. She one. beats you. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, thank you again for uh, coming on. Thank you everyone for listening and watching. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening.